Next week is our first week in our brand new venue. And first off, I just want to say thank you for y'all for partnering with us in prayer. We've been searching for a while. I don't know if you know the story, but we've been searching for close to over a year now, um, maybe more seriously in the last few months. And so thank you so much for your prayers. Um, every door that's been open, even us moving into this new space, a lot of it is a result of the prayers of our people. And so thank you for partnering with us. You are part of this story of us moving on. With that said, today is our last day here in this space. How many of you are sad? At least a little bit. Honestly, for me, it's a little bittersweet. Jacob, did you just shake your head no? I saw you. For me, it's really bittersweet. If you remember our first gathering here in this space, do you remember when it was September 1st, 2019? Can you believe it's been three years? Some of us, some of y'all, you've been here with us during that span of time. Some of y'all just joined or came through last year or today's your first day. But, but we've been here for close to three years. And in those three years, we've been through a lot, haven't we? I mean, we've been through some valleys. We've been through some mountaintops. We've experienced pain and grief and loss. We've experienced breakthroughs and victories. So many job breakthroughs, right? We've experienced so many things. We went through a global pandemic together. Like, can you believe that? And now there's like a lot of stuff going on in our nation that we're still dealing with. We've said bye to close friends, said hello to new ones. We've done a lot in this space. And the last thing that I wanted to share before we move into the Verdi Club is I feel like as we move into a new space, I believe God is also moving us into a new season. And as we move into the season, I feel like God wants to highlight a few things as we do. And so today we're looking to the story of Joshua and the Israelites crossing the Jordan in Joshua chapter 3 and 4. And so why don't we start with the word of prayer and we'll jump right into it. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you so much for this building. Thank you so much for this space that we've been able to call sanctuary, that we've been able to call home. We thank you for this place where we've met with you, where you've spoken to us, where you've moved in the midst of us. We thank you for this season, the season of three years being here, where we got to walk with you and with each other. And as we move into the new space, I thank you you're also moving us into a new season. And as we move into a new season, I believe there are things that you want to speak to our hearts. And so today we listen, we open our hearts, we incline our ears. Would you speak to us, Lord? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Joshua chapter 3, 9 through 13. Sorry, I've been so busy getting ready for the move, haven't had time to even do the slides, but I'm going to read it for you, okay? This is uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 9 through 13. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you'll know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan... Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So if you know the story, God, he's leading Joshua and the Israelites out of the wilderness, 40 years of wilderness, and he's leading them into the promised land. But between them and the promised land is the Jordan River. 
You know, for some reason, um, every time God is leading his people into his promise, there seems to be some gigantic obstacle that they're coming up against, whether it's the Red Sea or the Jordan River or giants. And listen, maybe the obstacle that we're going through, that you're going through, isn't a sign that God's abandoned you. Maybe it's a sign that God's getting ready to lead you into the promise. And this is exactly what's happening here. They're standing in front of the Jordan, and God commands Joshua... Hey, send priests, one from each tribe of Israel, have them carry the Ark of the Covenant, which, which houses the presence of God, and have them go before you. And so the priests, they carry the Ark of the Covenant, and they lead the way. They step foot onto the Jordan. And as they do so, just like it did on the Red Sea, maybe the more famous story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt, the waters begin to part. Now, most of a, the most important question that we've been asking in this process of looking for a new building has been, where can we get a banging fog machine? No, I'm just kidding. The most important question we've been asking is, where is the presence of God leading us? Because how many you know, even if we find a space with all the right amenities, all the right equipment, chairs, parking, storage, fog, light machines, coffee bar, vibes, it would all mean nothing If the presence of God was not there, if the presence of God was not leading us to that place, how many of you guys know that the promised land wasn't the promised land because of landscape or the vegetation or ideal climate uh, conditions? The promised land was the promised land. Why? Because the presence of God was going to be there. It wasn't the promised land because there was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, but it wasn't the promised land for that reason. It wasn't the promised land because it was a land of abundance. It wasn't the promised land for any other reason other than that. God was going to be there. See, how many of you know God can take any barren wasteland and he could turn it into a fruitful garden? He could take any dead place and he can make it come alive because it's not the place, it's the presence Look to your neighbor and say, it's not the place, it's the presence. See, even if they had gotten into the land flowing with milk and honey, it wouldn't have been the promised land if the presence of God wasn't there. The blessing isn't in the place. The blessing is in the presence. Hear me, church. The blessing isn't in the place. The blessing is in the presence. I think some of us were looking for milk and honey when we should be looking for the presence of God. We're looking for that job flowing with milk and honey where we can make that extra skrilla when we should be looking for where the presence of God is. We're looking for the city, New York. We're looking, I'm just kidding. We're looking for the city flowing with milk and, if y'all don't know, we have a, we have a love-hate relationship with New York. We, we love New York. We love New York. LA is great too. Portland's all right. Chicago's great. Okay, anyway. We're looking for the city flowing with milk and honey that has boundless opportunities when we should be looking for the presence of God. We're looking for a partner or a spouse flowing with milk and honey. Actually, well, let's not do that one. That's weird. Instead of asking God, where can I find the money, the most success, the most opportunity, we should be asking God, where is the presence leading me? Joshua says the ark is going to go before us. Not the builders, the crafters, the ark. The presence is going to go before us, and we're only going to step where the presence of God leads, even if it doesn't make sense, even if waters are all around, even if the way looks shut. It's not the place. It's the presence. You know, I know for many of us, the Verde Club, our next venue, looks like 
the venue flowing with milk and honey. But if I were to be completely honest with you, it was literally at the bottom of our list as we were searching. And not because the place, like the place is amazing. It's like five times bigger, has amenities, all this amazing stuff. But the reason why we had it so low on our list is number one, it was out of our budget. And number two, um, when we left our last church, we left while they were in that building. And so we're like, man, it's going to be kind of weird because some of y'all, you've been on this journey with us. And if we go back, is it going to be weird? Is there going to be baggage? Is there going to be burdens? But it's crazy because God just said, entertain it. And so one day out of the blue, after we'd exhausted every other, like Sharon, before she moved to New York, um, before she moved to New York, I know I'm still bitter, I'm healing. Before she moved to New York, she compiled this amazing list with spreadsheet, all this information. We'd gone through every venue, everything a dead end. So I'm just like, God's like, just call up Jason. Jason was the building manager there. We had a really good relationship with him. And so I just call up Jason. I'm like, Jason, hey, I know your space has been empty on Sundays for like eight months now. And we're, we're in the market for a new building. We have a lot of leads. We didn't have a lot of leads. We have a lot of leads, Jason. But, but I just wanted to see, like, if this could be a possibility, right? And then Jason, he's like, you know what's crazy, Mickey? Ever since, you know, the last church left in January... Um, a lot of people have come up to me asking if they could use this space, but for some reason in my heart, I don't know why, because we haven't spoken in, what, like four years, I was hoping that you would call. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And so I was like, hey, can we at least meet up? Can I come see the place? And so I meet up with Jason, and immediately when I stepped foot into that building, immediately when I started talking to Jason, I felt the presence of God like I can't explain. I was like, it For some reason in my mind, I had written off this venue, I had written off this building, I had written off this space, but the presence of God was not done here. And so we're like, we're talking, and as we're talking, it felt like talking to an old family member. We were catching up. I showed him pictures of my son. We were not pregnant at the time. We only had a dog. He's like, where's your dog? Oh, he's at home. We forgot about him. And we're just catching up, and I felt the presence of the Lord say, this is the spot. Now watch this. It said that when the priests holding the ark set their feet in the Jordan, they stepped foot in the river, wherever they stepped, the waters began to part. Now, how many of you know when you're walking on your own, when you're walking your own way, you got to wade through that water. You got to swim through the current. You got to rely on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own endurance, your own efforts, your own wisdom, your own resources. How many of you know when you're walking where the presence leads you, oftentimes the waters part? Time and time again, scripture tells us stories of people following God who didn't have to do it all for themselves, where God would part the seas, where he would drop manna from heaven, where he would defeat enemies, where he would pour out provision and breakthrough. And this is some of us, we're trying to make a way through the waters of our lives on our own, and it's exhausting. We're trying to fight our own battles. We're trying to make it happen for ourselves. But if we would learn just to step discern and step where the presence of God is leading us. Oftentimes the waters would part. I told you Verde Club was way out of our budget. So even though I was like, oh God is leading us to this place that feels like home, in my mind I was like, but we can't do it. I mean, we're already in a recession. Our giving's kind of been down. Like how are we going to get into this space? Because when we were paying rent when we used to be there, it was about 250% higher than our rent here. So we're like way out of our budget, not going to happen. And so I was just like, hey, Jason, I'm going to be real with you. We love this space. Like this is home to us. We would love to be here. But 
honestly, like, I don't think we have the money. Our church is smaller. Like, I don't know if we can make it happen. He's like, oh, actually, the price went down a little bit since you guys left. It was still way too high for us. And I was like, I don't know if we can make it happen, man. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mock you with what we can offer. But he was like, all right, let me, let me think about a number. And in my mind, he, he was like, all right, what do you think would be a reasonable number for you guys to get into this space? And in my mind, I had a number, but I, I, I dare not say it because it would be so offensive to him based on what we were praying before. But then he looks at me, he's like, all right, what about this? He says a number, exact number that I'm thinking of. And I was like, it's a little bit higher, but we could do it. And it was crazy. And it's like, it was crazy because we had hit shut door after shut door after shut door looking for a venue for years. And we get here and all of a sudden the waters part. We didn't have to do a single thing. I didn't even have to say the number and embarrass myself and embarrass our community. Jason said the number and I was like, man, if we just step where the presence of God leads, oftentimes the waters begin depart. The presence went first, the waters parted, and then the people crossed. This image should remind us of something, unless you have never read your Bible or been in Bible study class or watched the Prince of Egypt. It should remind us of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into the desert, right? They crossed the Red Sea, the waters parted. But also the second thing it should remind us of is that this is taking place where? In the Jordan River. What else happens in the Jordan? Jesus, many, many generations later, is born. He, he becomes a 30-year-old, goes through the crazy 20s, and finally hits his 30s, the best decade in my opinion. And before he starts his ministry, he gets baptized. Do you know where he gets baptized? He gets baptized in the Jordan, where generations previous, God parted the seas. And Jesus is getting baptized in the Jordan before he starts his ministry. He's there in the waters of the Jordan. Check this out. When Joshua's in the Jordan, God parts the seas. But when Jesus is in the Jordan, God parts the heavens. Isn't that crazy? Why is this significant? As God parted the seas for Moses and Joshua, now through Jesus, God parts the heavens for you and I. You don't have to be in the Jordan. You don't have to be in the Red Sea. You don't have to be in New York. You don't have to be in San Francisco. You don't have to be in a church building. Wherever you are, wherever you go, the heavens are open. You could be in the job you hate, and the heavens are open. You could be in a city that you despise, but the heavens are open. And maybe we need to stop asking God to bring us to the place flowing with milk and honey and recognize here the Lord is in this place. Right here, God, pour out your blessing here in my workplace, here in my family, here in my neighborhood, here in my church building. The blessing is not in the place. It's in the presence. You've heard the term home is where the heart is before. I mean, y'all know that uh, a house doesn't make a home. I knew someone who used to live in San Francisco, but they had to travel so often for work that they were barely home. They came every few weeks, and they would sleep here. They would eat here. And he was telling me, I live here. I sleep here. I do a few things here. I'm here for a few days in the month, but this doesn't feel like home, right? A house is just a house. An apartment is just an apartment. A building is just a building. There's nothing particularly special about a place. But when your heart settles in that place, when you've lived there and you've dwelled there, when you've lived your stories there, it becomes something more. Chris and I, when we got married, um, 
we had a little apartment in Emeryville, and we, we got back from our honeymoon, and we bought a couch, and then we get home, and we get a call from our landlord saying, you guys got to move out, actually, because <laughs> my son's taking the place. I was like, what? Is this even legal? It was somehow. And so we had to move, and we are like, at the time, we were getting ready to church plan in San Francisco, but we didn't have a place to live, and San Francisco was way out of our budget. But for some reason, we started looking in the city, and God led us to this beautiful little loft on Mariposa Street right off the freeway 280, and it was this perfect, gorgeous space, 950 square feet. And that was our first home. That was the first place we built a home together. That was when we adopted our dog, Fig. That was the place where Fig ran away twice and found his way home. That was the place where we launched a church, where we had community group. Josh and I were in the small same uh, community group during that time. And that place became such a special place to us that when we moved out, it felt like we were leaving home. We felt like this was just a space. See, when we moved in, it was just a loft. But when we left, it was a home. And people still, I know you have driven by it because it's right on the busy street, right off 280. People drive by it all the time. People walk by it on the street. People see it all the time. But to them, it's just a loft. To them, it's just a building. To them, it's just a house. To them, it's just an apartment. But to us, it's something more. Why? We've built our home there. See, Scripture never says where there are uh, speaker systems and lights and fog machines and coffee bars. There am I in that place. Scripture never says uh, where there is good music and where there is ample parking space and tons of chairs. There am I in that place. Scripture says when two or more are gathered in my name, there am I with them. In other words, we are the homes of God. We are the homes God chose to make a dwelling among. And if home is where the heart is and God's heart is set upon us, we are the homes for the presence of the living God. We are the place where he chooses to dwell. It's not the place, it's the presence. Now, if we go on in the story, Joshua 4, the next chapter over 1 through 9. So all this happens, and this is how it goes. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take a stone on your shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. And get this. He says, In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So we've talked about this a number of times. The Israelites, they set up stones as altars of remembrance. So whenever they would see those stones, they would be reminded, oh, this is what God did in this place. Oh, this is where God parted the seas of the Jordan. And wherever they went, they set up these stones of remembrance, altars of remembrance, so that when children looked at the stones, like, why are the stones there, Dad? And they would tell the story to the generations of how God moved among them, how God delivered them. You know, maybe we don't have stones set up in our lives. Actually, I feel like some of you might. Like, I feel like Austin's the type of person that would have stones set up in his house. I don't know why. Maybe some of us have set up stones in our lives to remind us of what God's done. Maybe we have it, but I would bet most of us, we don't have stones anywhere in our house that serves as altars of remembrance. But all of us do have altars of remembrance. 
One of my favorite um, ways that we remember are through songs. You know, I posted uh, this week an episode, two episodes of Cribs, uh, checking out our new venue. And the overwhelming majority, they didn't care about the space. They're like, oh, my God, I love those songs. 2000s vibes, MTV Cribs. Why? They were transported to a time in the 2000s where they were younger. Music has that effect. Music, songs become altars of remembrance. I, I kid you not, every time that I hear the song Real Thing by Maverick City, I remember when we used to meet the venue before this one on the second floor in the breather space where we used to worship, where we had our first family camp, when jo- Dan didn't have a job or a home, and then he got it right before the retreat, and at the retreat he was running around and screaming and celebrating. I remember that time. That song serves as an altar of remembrance. Oh, I won't let go. And we sing it to Zion every night, and every night when I sing it to him, I remember how God birthed this church. Whenever I hear Jaira, I, I will never forget Alex. I'll never forget the story that he shared here so bravely on that Sunday. I'll never forget he got baptized right in that space. Songs have the power. They have their altars of remembrance that transport us to a time. Maybe even you can think of a few songs that take you to a place that you used to be where you remember what God did. Photos, videos become altars of remembrance. Journal entries become altars of remembrance. But did you know that places, physical spaces also become altars of remembrance? I don't know about you, but whenever I drive down 7th Street and I pass by our little second floor above a a picture framing studio, breather space where we used to gather for worship, that was so tiny where we, we amplified, even though the room was way too small, where people were like shoulder to shoulder, where we couldn't move, where it got hot in there during the summer. Every time I pass by that space, it's not just a space. It's an altar. And I remember how God birthed our people. I remember when we didn't have a church name for four months, and we would change it every week based on what's going on in, in, in culture. And I remember when God finally gave us the name 99. I remember how God knit this family together. When I stepped foot back in the Verdi Club, when I met with Jason, it had been close to four years since I'd been in that space. But as soon as I stepped in, I remembered all the things that God had done when we were there in that space, too. I remembered it wasn't just a building. It wasn't just a venue. It was an altar. And, you know, this space, when people pass by the space, it's just a building to them, right? An event space, an art studio. But when we see this place, it's more than just a building. It's an altar, When we pass by this space, we're going to remember how God moved among us. When we pass by this space, we're going to remember all that God had done here. Why? Because this place holds our stories. In this place, some of you felt God's presence for the first time in a really long time. In this place, some of you, you heard God's voice and you heard him speak to you and move you into your destiny. In this place, some of you felt hope for the church after you had given up on her for a long time. In this place, some of you found family and belonging. In this place, some of you regained hope and faith and peace. This was Zion's first church building. I'll always remember that, that we had Zion in this space, not physically, but this was the first place where he entered into a sanctuary and worshiped God. To others, this may just be a building, but to us, this is a place where God met with us, where God moved among us, where God spoke to us, where God transformed us in his presence. And the thing that I feel like the Lord is challenging us to as we leave this place is to not forget the stories and the songs that we sung while we were here. To carry the stories of this past season into the next one. 
to carry the songs of this place into the new place. And as we do, we create an atmosphere ripe for God to do again what he did among us before. And we're not starting from scratch. We're not starting from ground zero. We're building off the foundation of the stories and songs that we sung while we were in this place, in this time, in this season. How many of you know those stories and songs from this place in this season? As we move on to the next one, they're not just altars of remembrance, but they're actually our weapons against the enemy. See, a couple chapters later in Joshua, God brings the people to Jericho. It's kind of like almost like the final boss before they enter into the promised land. And Jericho is heavily fortified walls, impossible to breach. And instead of having them attack the city by force, he has them march around the city and sing worship songs. What do you think they were singing about? Were they just singing some random songs that Maverick City wrote before they were Maverick City? Like, what were they singing? Were they just singing Reckless Love before it came out? What were they singing? They were singing songs and stories about what God had done among them before. What happens as they begin singing the songs of the God that moved for them in the previous season, the walls begin to collapse. They overtake the city. They didn't have to lift a single finger. Hear me, church. The key to some of our breakthroughs in this next season is going to be found in the stories and the songs of what God has done here in this season. And yes, God, he's going to write new stories. Yes, we're going to sing new songs, but we can't forget what God has done in this place. The Lord was in this place. And this is what he did in this place, in this time, in this season. 